everyone and welcome back to another episode of Deets with Dita. I'm your host Nandita and today is a very exciting episode for me. I think like I'm really really excited about this one because I haven't done a book versus film for a while. The last and only one that I did was Room which was incredible and I really loved doing that one. But I decided that let's let's bring it back. Let's bring back book versus film. I hear you. You guys are all excited for it. I can hear it in in your silences that you're giving me back because you can't interact with me. But um, today we are going to do a book versus film on a film that I think potentially was snubbed of an Oscar nom because there's a lot of stylistic things in the film of this like uh, book versus film that we're talking about that I thought you know this was kind of interesting and quirky and I think. Personally, I would have loved for it to go on Oscar nom, and that is I'm thinking of ending things. Um, and I am really, really excited because I, okay, as I always do with book versus films, um, well, generally, not not in the previous book versus film, because the previous book versus film, I made it a point to read the book first. Um, but this time around, it's ended up being I have watched the film first then read it and that tends to be what happens with everything that I do book versus film well I've read a book of and seen the film you get what I'm trying to say it's just a general thing that happens because I watch a film and I'm like oh that was based on a book let me read the book and basically most of it is all spoiled and I kind of have imagery already in my head and this was kind of what it was like for this one but that's not to say it wasn't as compelling to read as it was to watch and there are many similarities and differences with these books, uh, the book and the film. So I'm going to go into all of that this episode. So the structure of this one is going to be, I'm going to give you a spoiler free explanation about what I'm thinking of ending things is about. Because I know a lot of people may not have, who are listening to the podcast may have not seen the film or read the book um, or has seen one like seen the film and not read the book or vice versa. So I want to give like an overview about, you know, what is the premise of both? You know, like what, is there a, a point to like watch and read it? Should I just watch it? Should I just read it? Like that kind of verdict. Um, and then I'll talk about the sim, then I'll get into spoilers um, and you'll have your fair bit of a spoiler warning. Um, and I'll talk about the similarities and differences between the book and the film. Um, because there are definitely quite a few that I could pick out. Some, like, very small, minute differences. Some, um, very, very big differences. I'll get onto them. And then finally, with the book versus film, I always have to say which one I prefer. And in this case, I definitely think I preferred one over the other. But that's not to discredit the quality of the other. Um, so with that being said, I feel like I've rambled on a lot in this intro. So let's get started and get cracking in with the book versus film. So you guys want a spoiler free explanation. I, I know you do. I can hear you guys screaming it off into the distance. So for those of you guys who don't know what I'm thinking of ending things is about, it's essentially um, a Charlie Kaufman uh, film, uh, but a Ian Reid book. Um, but the book is very heavily influenced the film. So it's like an adapted screenplay type thing. Um, and it's the basic premise, premises, premises, one of those is right, pick the one that was right and roll with that, um, are very, very, very similar to each other. So we follow a story of a young woman, um, and her boyfriend, Jake, 
And essentially it's their relationship that is the forefront of the book and the um, the film. And it's like, as soon as you start both things, first page of the book, first line of the film, I think, is I'm thinking of ending things. In a very, in, in a way that the, the young woman who is in the relationship, um, she wants to end this relationship that she has with Jake. And the story kind of unfolds from there because it's very much a film from her perspective for the most part um, and a book from her perspective for the most part. And we we see, we get to essentially understand what what is going on in her brain and um, why she's thinking the things that she is and um, the actions that have led to it and stuff like that. Um, Whereas on the other hand, you've got Jake, who is essentially like, I, like, is basically thinking about moving to the next step of the relationship because he's planned this road trip uh, for her to take um, to go and see his parents in a farm that is very, very far away um, in the middle of a snow blizzard. So the scene is already set very well. A lot of good imagery on that. Um, and... I guess that's where the story kind of unravels and unfolds. It's it's very much like a back and forth between, you know, does she feel like she wants to continue this relationship with him? Like in like what are the pro like kind of like what are the pros and cons, but like in a more intellectual way I would say. Never in this point where she's like, let's list the pros and cons. No. In both of them, it's very much intellectually she's thinking long term in the future, like, not looking at a relationship in this perspective of, um, like, she, she knows what she wants, so she's at that, I feel like she's at that age where she knows what she wants, and, um, she doesn't feel like settling for anything, um, so that's why this is all unfolding. I don't want to give too much away, uh, about the, the book or the film, but definitely, it's really interesting, right? So my non-spoiler opinions of this is like, it's definitely, both of them definitely gripped me and both in very different ways. Um, I watched the film and I won't lie, I was very confused on my first watch. Um, but I understood the rough premise of it and like what it was doing, every like all of the um, nuances and like, um, different aspects of film that they incorporated because I believe they incorporated some mu incorporated some musical aspects into it as well and there is a lot of like horror slash thriller uh, kind of elements in it as well psychological I would say it's more on the side of psychological thriller than it is on horror because there's nothing that outwardly like made me jump scare um, and I'm e an easily scared person trust me um, so there's nothing like that in there it's more like it's more like Get Out, if you want to compare it to another film, like in terms of horror factor, but like even then it's like more dialed down than Get Out. So if you found Get Out kind of a bit, then this one's kind of a dialed down version on the jump scare level. But I think psychologically it's just as impactful as Get Out. Um, so with that being said, I don't feel like I want to give away anything else. Um, on this so if you guys um, want to watch it, it is on Netflix it's been on Netflix for a while now um, you may have seen some of the trailers 
or you may have seen it just come up on your feed. This is your like recommendation to go and watch it because I feel there's a lot to talk about with this film, there's a lot to think about and I love films that make you think. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's definitely worth a watch and for a read as well because I think as I will get onto, there are a lot of differences, especially in the endings of the film and the uh, book that are very, very clearly different and um, I guess invoke a different type of fear into you um, when watching or reading either. So definitely go check it out. Book is by Ian Reid um, and the film is by Charlie Kaufman. So definitely go check it out. Charlie Kaufman is known for um, his film, the, the most famous film he's known for is Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. So if that wants to tempt you even more, definitely have a little dabble at <laughs> I'm Thinking of Ending Things, though it is very different to Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. Ian Reid, I think this is one of his debut um, fiction novels because he's done quite a few non-fiction ones. Um, I literally just found out that he's written another book of a similar like thriller psychological style called Foe and I'm I've already ordered that and I'm ready to dissect that and read that because I really love the vibes of I'm thinking of ending things um but yeah that's just like a rough overview of the two people who who made each of the media forms so let me stop rambling now and let's start picking at the similarities and differences behind um both of these um, media forms and I now give you your spoiler warning. Spoilers, major spoilers, big big spoilers. If you have not read the book or you have not read the, oh not read, <laughs> if you have not read the book or if you've not seen the film this is your spoiler warning. If you want these, uh, this film and this book to be spoiled for you you can listen ahead. Um, if you've seen one and not seen the other, you might not like want to read the book or you might not want to watch the film, um, then definitely listen on now. But if you've seen one and you haven't read the other, but you do want to read it, I would recommend giving it a read so you understand completely what I'm talking about. But I will approach it from an angle as if you need explanations of which one am I clearly talking about with the book and which one I'm clearly talking about with the film. So let's get into it. Similarities. So with the whole film and the book, the biggest similarities that I'd like to point out are three key sections of the narrative, I think. I think this film unfolds with four key, like, um, settings? Oh, let's call it settings. There are four key settings, right? There's the car drive. So the car drive to, from, um, the young woman's house to the, um, to... Uh, Jake's parents house then there is the actual events that unfold at Jake's parents house and then there's also the drive to um the Dairy Queen or the Tulsi town it's differing in the book and the film for different reasons um and then there is also um the final scene which is the ending that's how I would like to split up uh, the narrative because I feel like it works better in those chunks so yes, the car drive was very, very similar. You got even some quotes of um, the car drive that were very um, reminiscent of the book. Um, and I think talking about it like as a story as a whole, because both use the same thing, um, I really enjoyed the whole um, aspect of being confined in this like 
this vehicle and driving through like a snowstorm which I feel is kind of like metaphorical for the thoughts that are swirling around in like um the young woman's brain um she is called Lucy in the film I'm not sure if she's even given a name in the uh book but I'm gonna call her Lucy for the sake of just not saying young woman again so I'm just gonna call her Lucy for argument's sake so Lucy very much um like it's her it's her narrative right from the very beginning I mean obviously it switches at the end to it well the big reveal in either sense that it's kind of maybe not her narrative but um clearly from the beginning it is her narrative and we start off and we're in this car and you know, she's automatically, we're at that stage of I'm thinking of ending things, both in the book and in the film. And it's this whole like blanket statement of when I was looking in, when I was looking into this film, I immediately thought of, um, I'm thinking of ending things maybe in terms of a more, um, not in a relationship sense, but more like a, um, I don't want to be here anymore kind of thing. Um, and it was very that was my first thought when walking into this film but then i realized it actually wasn't and it was more to do with the relationship which was equally as like um equally as intriguing to me um even though the title i'm thinking of anything drew me because of like the factor of having that big of a statement um as your title of a film or a book so Immediately we're jumping into the fact that she's already thinking about this. This is something that I clearly she's been thinking about for a long time and she she doesn't understand why like I feel like in the beginning she's very much like mm, I don't know could I see the potential like good things in this relationship but slowly as we go on she's just like this is getting weirder and weirder and I don't understand. So that's one thing, the car drive. I would say though, one of the biggest things that um, the book and the film differ about, right, is the whole um, communication between Jake and Lucy, um, because there is a lot more communication between Jake and Lucy um, in the film as, as opposed to a ratio of her thoughts. Um, which I really, I don't know how to feel about that because I feel the book, the book talks more, they, okay, so the biggest difference is, uh, the biggest difference is the types of conversations that they were having. So in the book, it was very much intellectually philosophical. Uh, I don't know whether I said that right. Um, but that was their kind of banter and repertoire between each other. But then you look at the film and it was more, they were making a lot more pop culture references than um, I expected to be made. Uh, whereas in the book it was actually more uh, literary, um, what's the word? Um, references, that's it. Um, so I guess that's probably due to media form. Like obviously Ian Reid is going to have a lot more knowledge about book references than Charlie Kaufman, who's going to have more references about pop culture, film kind of thing. So that was just a nitpicky thing because I found it more confusing to follow the film's repertoire and conversations between Jake and Lucy than I did for the book because the book they went into more detail about like, like philosophically 
like this is like what we feel like life means or like this is what we understand to be growing old and this is what we understand to be you know um just love as well like there was loads of the the repertoire of that was really really good um one interesting thing that I don't think was mentioned in the film that was mentioned in the book on the car ride was Lucy's whole story about um her first driving lesson and um it's like a running theme of like um it was a very weird and obscure encounter for her but the whole moral of it was um she was like she had a very weird driving instructor instructor and she was pretty bad at the driving so they ended up just having a conversation in general and one of the things was um it takes two um a person cannot on their own be a good kisser right it takes two people to be a good kisser and I I think for me in the book that was like a point of true importance because it was like the way that Jake reacted to that was was kind of like shocked in a way of that's a very lonely thought that you could have that a, a singular person needs someone else to be the greatest at a particular thing um and as we see later on it's probably the center of his anxiety and um his like i guess insecurities about the relationship so this is all happening the car ride is happening and it's more of like her and this is another difference um it was a lot more in her head um a lot of the thoughts that she was having and like um it felt like he was inside her head as well uh which as we later know basically was um and it's like it's a lot more prominent in the book than it is in the film but I think that's purely to do with the runtime of the film because there's only so much you can so much detail and shoehorn signposting that you can do in a film having said that I really did enjoy how she would be thinking of something and then he would be like did you say something and it's just like really creepy and like eerie it's like imagine being Lucy being like thinking something that involves Jake as well and then suddenly him being like, did you say something when you literally only said it in your head? It's something that's very, again, psychologically, um, makes you tense and it psychologically messes with your head, I guess. Even though psychologically kind of basically means messing with your head. It is what it is. Um, and, but it did translate that, some of that into, um, the book and the film. But I just feel like it was better executed in the book because it was more like it was less in your face that this was like it would never be like did you say something it would be more like let's talk about a topic that you were thinking about in your head which is like really really peculiar and like weird and it feels like you're in my head but it makes it feel like we're more connected in that way like that we're both thinking of the same things but it ended up just being no it's just the same thought essentially I'll get onto what I mean by the same thought as well because um the ending is a confusing one and I want to break it down properly. So we'll, we'll get to that. 
Um, then the visit at the parents. A lot of the things that I loved about the visit with the parents was um, the, the whole pig thing. Um, I thought that was a brilliant, like, um, metaphor for, like, something eating away inside of you. Um, and, like, um, a, like, a certain thought that on the outside may seem, like, to a different person. So, like, from a person's perspective. They will look at you and they'll only see your exterior, right? And then, but when you actually maybe turn a stone or pick their brains a little bit... You'll understand them, what's actually eating away at the person. Um, because everyone has at least something that's eating away at them at a given moment of time. Um, and that metaphor kind of translated in the form of the pig and the sense that the pigs had like, sorry for the graphicness, but this is what happened in the film. But um, the maggots that were eating away at it, um, that the farmers didn't even notice, so Jake's parents didn't even notice. Um felt like a very good metaphor for, in my opinion, the aloneness and Jake's aloneness that he's felt. Um, and um, yeah, I, I don't know, I liked that. It was just my favorite metaphor. But then we've got um, the actual house scene in itself. So like the whole, um, the whole, you know, the basement, so, like, do not go down into the basement, that's a weird place, and, like, it being, showing some clues into it, this is not as it seems from, uh, Lucy's perspective. Um, and then you have, like, the unknown caller as well, I don't know, for me, that was my least favourite part of the book and the film, I just, mm, I understood where, it, like, where it was coming from, they're like, she's calling herself, that's really weird, why is she calling herself? And then it ends up being that this random person is either breathing down the phone or just talking to them, uh, just says like a few words and then hangs up. But it's kind of like, I don't know, for me, in terms of the whole narrative as a whole, um, I, it didn't it didn't do much for me. Um, what else, what else can I talk about? I like to say, oh my gosh, I have to talk about um, uh, Jake's mom and dad. Oh my god. Firstly, their actings were incredible in the film. I could not have imagined two better people to play uh, those roles. It felt so eerie and, and real and creepy and everything at the same time. And the way that in the film like, you can see the differing of ages. This is another thing that differs between the book. In the book, it's very much like, um, the mother is kind of insane, and then the, um, the father is, like, trying to console her and stuff, and, like, it's more to do with the fact that in the book, there is this apparent brother that Jake has that he doesn't talk to. Whereas in the the film, it's more focused on more of an abstract um, thing because it's like she's in this house and the ages are changing of the parents constantly. So it kind of, for me, that shows the kind of um, nothing is as it seems, like disoriented timeline and reality and like alarm bells ringing for for Lucy in her head in that sense um 
so because I feel like that being translated in a book would get confusing, but in a film, it's an interesting way to show disorientation. So I loved that. I thought that was great. So we interrupt this regularly scheduled podcast to give you a sense of what happened in the middle of this podcast because I finished this, I started a sentence and now I have not finished it. In the space of time, both my mother and Hadia have called me for two wildly different reasons and we have Hadia on the phone here right now. Hadia, do you have, any, <laughs> do you have anything to say to the podcast audience? Uh, as one of you, and as one as the uh, English, as one of you, and as the person who is behind the scenes as well. Um, should I go with straight hair or curly hair? <laughs> Why? <laughs> this girl is problematic. This is what she interrupted my really important podcast episode recording for. You heard it here no, first. I actually FaceTimed you back because you FaceTimed me. <sighs> oh, that is so funny. This is a tragedy, honestly. <laughs> no, it's a real question, though. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. Um, go with curly hair. Too late. <laughs> and this has been Inside Into Me and Hadia's Friendship. End of segment. So, I was really like impressed with the fact that Charlie Kaufman thought that it'd be an interesting thing instead of having a static like meet the parents kind of vibe and following the whole um trend of the book of having an imaginary well imaginary because it was in the end a brother that Jake had that kind of disoriented the the weirdness and kind of justified the weirdness at the family dinner in the book but in this one there is no imaginary brother rather there is a um just a really weird kind of reality bending scene of different characters just changing ages every two seconds um and I think it's at that point that even in the book and in the film the the whole parent scene is when Lucy starts to realise that there's something off about everything that's going on. Like, sh she realises that this is not a normally normal family function, even though that there is no definition of having a normal family function. Everything is different and weird for every sort of family. But she could tell that there was just something off and there was something that Jake was not telling her, in both senses. In the first, in the film sense, it's ne he never really clarifies it he's more like oh so you thought my family was normal right tell me that my family you thought my family were normal so it's accepted and it's great and it's fine and we can throw that under the rug in the film uh, in the book sorry it's more as I said the brother situation he kind of puts it down to there's a weird relationship with their parents because of the the weird brother who was basically stalking Jake and copying his mannerisms and whatever and basically being a creep and that's what caused this whole um, weird family interaction and function. But, I mean, I think if I were to prefer a narrative, I think it was more interesting in the film to see the ages and to see the, like, um, the disorienting nature there. 
um, I would prefer, I preferred that as opposed to the whole brother narrative. Because I feel like if you took out the brother narrative from the book, the whole ending of the book would still make the sense, make the sense, make sense. So um, it's all, I think it's justified for, for Charlie Kaufman to feel like this doesn't really translate well into a film and it wouldn't be interesting or anything new that you would see in a film. And I feel like that's what Charlie Kaufman looks for when he's making films or adapting screenplays and stuff like that. So props to him for making it a little bit more abstract rather than um, like very concrete and to the book. So I liked that. Um, so more things. Um, I think... Now, this may be biased, this may be me being biased, but I think there are a lot of similarities between how I envisioned the characters in my head versus how they actually translated. That might be because I saw the film first and my brain is basically making correlations from the film to the book and then like the imagery is kind of the same. But bear in mind that I saw the book, saw the film, sorry, uh, when it originally came out. And I only finished reading the book two days ago. So it's been a while and the film is quite confusing. So the fact that the imagery kind of still held up to par after my second rewatch, uh, second watch, sorry, um, of the film, it was pretty impressive. Like the snowstorms, the blizzard, the darkness, the, the car, the, like everything about it just felt really... Like, it, it felt like the film and the film felt like the book. They feel very, like, togetherness. There's a togetherness between them. So I was really um, impressed with that and I really liked that. Um, other things that I um, enjoyed and I thought were very similar in um, the book and the film was the utter chilling nature of the narratives. Both narratives even though they unfold differently and the way that they are told are different, they evoked so much, like, fear and, um, I guess, psychological thrills. I don't know whether that's the right way to be describing that, but it made me, like, sit up in my seat and, like, move to make myself feel a little bit comfortable because something I read or something I watched was a bit weird and I was like oh I should be on the edge of my seat for this so I liked that both of them definitely made me feel things that I probably hadn't felt like before if I've watched a film or a book um read a book about that and then the final similarity that I wanted to come across was the ambiguous endings both film and book have ambiguous endings but the endings are very different so, let's set the scene for the differences for the ambiguous endings, right? We have the Dairy Queen, Tulsi Town, whatever you want to call it, sequence of um, she's at the, um, the stop of this weird, like, ice cream shop that's on the middle of, like, a motorway, or I don't really know it's a motorway, but it's, like, a long road, um, and they end up getting some ice cream in the middle of a blizzard, which is very bizarre. Um, and Jake suggested this, obviously, and then there's the whole interaction between um, the one of the Dairy Queen slash Tulsi Town workers with uh, Lucy. And it's a very eerie encounter because she she's essentially, like, saying that 
Lucy, don't go with this guy. And in both the book and the film, she's like, stop, no, don't. Like, go, stay far clear from this dude because he's trouble and, like, I fear for you, essentially. Because she said that she was scared, but she wasn't scared for herself, she was scared for Lucy. Now, at this point, I'm sorry, Lucy should have seen all the red flags and just legged it or bolted it or, or just asked someone to call the police or whatever that's what I would do as a rational human being I wouldn't even get back in the car with this person um but she did so it is what it is but then again Lucy is basically in one of the endings like a figment of Jake's imagination which I'll get onto because it's very confusing the ending is very confusing for both the book and the film but we'll get onto that um and then he suggests, because they barely finish the drinks and the drinks are basically overflowing because they're ice drinks, and he's like, let's go throw these drinks away because it'll really irritate me if my car gets sticky. She's like, I just want to go home. Please let me go home. We can do this. When we can just clean your car. Let's just go home. And she's insisting, literally like begging to the point, pleading, please just take me back home. Um, and Jake's like, nah, mm -mm, I ain't do this. No, no, no. And we're gonna, he ends up pulling into a school, like a, um, a, a, like a high school, I think, like a really large high school. And he throws, he's like, I'll throw away the, um, the drinks here. This is where it gets different. The whole school sequence. And I'll tell you what, both of them were equally as insane and crazy as the other. The book radiates this is where the book pulls into horror film vibes. And this is where it becomes like she's trapped in the school. And let me break it down for you. So let's start with the book. The book, Jake ends up going in and uh, throwing away the the drinks. And he, for whatever, for some reason or another, he catches some dude watching them in the car and he feels really uncomfortable. But he, he is so uncomfortable uncomfortable to the point where he wants to go and actually tell this person hey what are you doing why are you watching us um and tell them off again lucy's like just let us go home please we don't need to entertain this dude let's just go but then he's like no i insist goes in and tries to deal with the dude right then lucy hears bangs like loud bangs after each other and um then just hears silence now, at this point, she's, like, freaked out. She's like, what has this dude done with Jake kind of thing? Even though she wants to end things with him, she's, like, still is a decent human being. Is like, no one should either die or get hurt here, right? So she, stay she waits in the car for a little bit because there is a full-on blizzard on outside and she's, like, too minded about going in after him. But he took the keys with him to the car. So it's not like she could leave. Anyway, so um, she ends up going into the school and this is where the entire, like, in my mind, horror sequence happens. This janitor person, whoever was in the school that late at night, who was staying there, um, he ends up, like, basically chasing her down and ends up being the person who was the, um, I think, the person who was anonymously calling her, right? And, um gosh it gets intense because she's essentially running away from this dude she has a big big strong inkling that he has uh done something with jake already and 
she it's this whole like long sequence of her running and running and uh, around the school and even the um the narrative goes like she feels like she's trapped within the same place no matter what floor up she goes or down she goes everything looks the same and this is where everything starts crumbling in on itself we start to learn that um we start to learn that um lucy is actually maybe not lucy or the janitor is not actually the janitor it's jake and jake and the janitor are the same person and it gets confusing because it's like they are both after um they are both after uh, Lucy. But then it gets even more confusing to the point where it's like, no, Lucy, the janitor, and Jake are all the same person. And it's that's like the biggest, I guess, reveal or, or what I took from the ending of the book is that essentially Lucy, Jake, and the janitor were all the same person and they the whole thing was he was in his head imagining what a relationship would look like with um Lucy and um or someone like just anyone essentially or a person that he met in um in a um bar one time because he's that desperate for a relationship and this circles back to the whole theme of this book which is feeling alone and this is where we start to understand Jake was imagining this whole relationship that he had with this girl. He was writing these stories about how he had this relationship with this girl, but it it became to a point where that was he was living vicariously through this character that he was writing about. Um and he and the I'm thinking of ending things doesn't come from a point of view of a relationship anymore. It's more to do with his life and it's more to do with he's felt so alone in his life that um and he can't fill this uh, loneliness void and you know it's it's re I it broke me down to tears I sobbed a lot um uh, reading the ending of this book because it was very much like he really felt like he didn't have anything going because he he was so he felt that he was so alone in this world that he didn't have anything going for him anymore and the this is where the double entendre meaning of the title comes in it's like it's not i'm thinking of ending things in terms of the relationship the i'm thinking of ending things was actually i'm thinking of ending things in terms of i don't want to be here anymore which is it comes full circle for me because that's what I thought the book was going to be about. Anyway, I thought, I, li I literally said this already, I thought the book was going to be something centred around that. But then when it came up with the relationship thing, I was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense. It's not going to be a, uh, those deep themes. But no, it was a double entendre, I tell you. And it actually ended up having that synonymous um, meaning and, you know, having the meaning of, like, the metaphor of the relationship actually being his life and his loneliness um and him like feeling comfortable with himself which was like whoa big plot twist i i think this is insane um and yeah that ending really really shocked me and i gosh it was incredible one thing i also loved about the book is that there was like um if i get the book out oh it's not to hand um but there is like th two or three or f maybe four pages hold on i actually i'm gonna get the book because I want to be able to say the quote. Um, but towards the end of the book, there is a phrase 
um, pages that are repeated of the same phrase, what are you waiting for? So like, I don't know whether you'll be able to see this, but it's like pages upon pages of the same question being asked over and over again, what are you waiting for? And God, it shook me to my bones when that actually um, appeared when I, when I read that. And it was so repetitive and like monotonous or I don't know whether, monotonous, monotonous, that's it. Um, that, and it was, this was the turning point. I feel like that was the turning point where you realized this is not about a relationship anymore. It's about him as a person and how he feels in his life, which is like oof, hefty. And it, it really made me, um, really made me upset and cry just a tad bit, maybe a lot. Um, so that was the ending of the book. The book was incredible. I absolutely loved it. I would recommend this book to a lot of people because it, my perspective very much changed of, um, I guess the type of books that I'd like to go for. I think I would love to go for more books like this because it was very short, very short book, around 200 pages long, which is short for a book. Um, and it was so interesting at the same time. Um, but now let's talk about the film because the film is completely different. The same setup happens, someone's watching them in the school, Jake gets angry, he goes in, and then um, Lucy follows in after him. Now, this is where the experimental abstract side of this um, whole book, kind, uh, this film kind of really takes to play, and which is why I wanted it to be Oscar nominated for at least something, because gosh, it was so, it was so like insane, essentially, of, of the way that this narrative unfolds. You've got the whole, she meets the janitor, the janitor is wearing one of Jake's tops and like it's an old man who's the janitor and then he's giving slippers to uh, that she he gave in the um in the house in the parents scene to to Lucy and she still doesn't put it together because she's so blindsided by everything that's going on um and you know it's it's crazy and then she ends up like finding Jake in the end because this janitor's being nice to her um and like, is like, you can look around in the school for him, and then they end up facing, and this is where we get, in my opinion, one of the weirdest but most interesting scenes I've ever seen in cinema, where it's like all films, because I didn't see this in the cinema, which is sad, but, um, it went from them facing each other to dancers appearing out of nowhere, and dancing, and showing this whole I guess for me, the thing I would relate it to is the whimsical dancing scene of La La Land. Um, that scene in La La Land happens at a state where I think there is a turning point of the film coming, turning into from a love story to more of a like um, serious, like deeply sad film about following your dreams, but then sacrificing something for it. Um, so there's like a whimsical dance sequence of two dancers who are clearly who are meant to look like Jake and Lucy, but they are not. Jake and Lucy are still there. It's so it's so weird and abstract in that way. Um, and then suddenly they're in this dance sequence together and I think it represents the life that they could have had together um, and the life that I guess he wanted to have with, um, with Lucy of the whole, let's get married, let's have a relationship, da da da, and whatever, right? Then, 
Then, then it gets out of control. Then the, there's a janitor also in this narrative as well, which I think represents like um, Jake's, I guess, insecurities and anxieties and thoughts for himself and like his self-destructive nature when it comes to being in a relationship. Obviously, I don't know the original intent, right? This is just what I'm interpreting from the film. There could be millions upon millions of explanations of why certain things happened in this um in this film, but this is what I interpreted from it. I thought the janitor was kind of representing, yep, yeah, Jake's insecurities and um, the, I guess, the, as I said, the destructive nature of, of um, his relationships that he's had in the past. And basically he is, it's come to a point where it's destroyed enough relationships that he's actually killed the part of himself that would want um, a, a happy a happy relationship. Then it gets more weird because after this whole sequence has happened, like the real Jake and Lucy come together and they're like standing across from each other in the wherever the actor of of Jake died with like a stage production, like scarves of blood coming out of him. Um, and then they just walk away and then we cut to the janitor and then the janitor goes to his car and this is at the point in the film where you realize that the janitor actually is jake because of the um the initials that he has on his clothing were similar to the ones that lucy found in the basement of the dryer uh, the washer sorry um and this is where you can start putting two and two together that jake is the janitor and it gets really sad because it gets to the point where um, Jake essentially, so he he's clearly quite um, in like sad and also not mentally in the right place, I will say. And he ends up basically taking all of his clothes off, which was very weird, and walking barefoot, like completely naked into the blizzard, but then back into the school building. Bear with me, it gets weirder. So, he does this, he goes out into the snow because he's following an imaginary pig that he can see in his head. Now, bear in mind that he is insane at this point. Like, I, I am full, full well saying that he is not mentally in a right place. Now, this pig relates back to something that I spoke about previously uh, within the farm scene when he's visiting his parents. There was a pig on the farm. So there were maggots um, in this pig and they were on the farm and like, I'm recapping that bit, but essentially I said that already in a previous part of the episode. But, 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 this pig is like animated now and it's like, come follow me, come. And like, this dude's like, this is not weird at all. Let's go, let's do it. And um, he goes into the school, goes into the gymnasium and ends up, I don't remember how we get there, but we get to a scene of um, a production play of Jake getting an award for something as an old man. And this circles back to a theme that he said, um, he said something in the film where he was like, oh, um, your own youth is so important and high regarded in like society today that if you accomplish something when you're younger it's more uh, if you accomplish the same thing as you accomplish when you're old as to when you're young 
it's more highly regarded when if you did it when you were younger and if you were older and had this accomplishment you would be disregarded so this fear is kind of like another internal insecurity and fear that's manifested inside of him that's caused him to have this weird vision of everything that's going on um and he we end up seeing like jake um getting accepting this award in a room full of old people um and then he does this weird musical number um out of nowhere where he's talking about um essentially the theme of him being alone um in the world and stuff and it circles back to how um jake like really loves musicals all of them he can quote all of them and whatever he said that um and like it's just for me it's so much that's going on in this end sequence but if you watch this film again this is okay this is where um my big big um comparison comes in i think i'm thinking of ending things is the psychological thriller of a film like tenant right tenant requires multiple watches for you to pick up things that you may have not picked up before when on your first watch of the film and i think i'm thinking of ending things does the exact same thing but in a genre of psychological thriller uh type films when i first watched this film i couldn't put half the things together as i did also the book helped me too so i've basically heard and seen this narrative three times it's taken me three times and i still don't think i dissected everything from from this film uh, so I do want to know, let me know what you guys think, um, if you've read the book, seen the film, seen the film multiple times, uh, and you want to give me your opinions on it, definitely do, I am excited to hear them, but I do think it is a Marmite film in the way that Tenant was a Marmite film, in the fact that because it takes multiple watches, does it kind of, does it make the film lack in a way, like, because the whole... I, I got so much more out of it on my second rewatch than I did on the first. I think I appreciate the film a lot more on my second watch than my first watch. Um, and yeah, it was just, I don't know. It was a whole bag of confusion that led to something that, that invoked a feeling of fear inside of me that I probably hadn't experienced before or had not been unlocked before. And it just boils down to the fact of that this film was extremely experimental with its cinematography, which is what I absolutely adored. Um, so many scenes in this film, like the darkness, the aspect ratio, the, the close and tightness that you feel, the tension, all down to some of the shots that were made. Uh, random shots into the outside of the car when they're talking, or like uh, if you're, as if you're listening in in the car. Um, to the conversation it sounds kind of muffledy so many little intricate things that I thought were so so well done it added to the to the abstractness and the fear factor of this film so props to that um versus like the the I guess the book focused more on um Lucy's thoughts and like what she was thinking and like internal monologues and stuff but internal monologues don't really translate that well in films especially if you're gonna have like monologue after monologue after monologue we had a few in there but there were not a lot so i think the experimental nature of the cinematography kind of made up for the fact that we didn't get that as much um internal monologue and we got more of the creepiness from our surroundings rather than the thoughts that she was having in her head um 
pacing of the book, um, there was like pages in this book where like it was giving you hints. So like at the end of each chapter, it was giving you hints of like someone who had died. Um, and like they were basically, it was like a police kind of report, like the two people talking about what happened. Oh, this person had been working at the school as a janitor for a long time. And like slowly we got more and more information about this person. Um, and at some points you think it's the brother and then you're like, oh wait, no, it's actually Jake or whatever. Um, and then, um, whereas in the film, it, you couldn't really do that without like it feeling jarring as you're switching between two people having a conversation about like the events that are folding. You kind of have to put more work in to try and interweave it into your narrative. Which is why I think some of the story deferred from what the book was to the actual film, which was kind of cool in my opinion. Um, but I feel like it's very confusing to put into words um, every single similarity and difference between these two films. Uh, this film, sorry, and this book. Because I could, I could sit here and dissect the heck out of, of this and for like at least five hours and still feel like I wasn't done, if you know what I mean. It's, there's so much in this film. Like the film is so dense as a piece of like media to consume that there is so much that you can unpick. So again, I, I pose the question to you of what's the thing that you picked up, the most interesting thing you picked up from watching the film or reading the book. I'd love to know genuinely because um, there are probably things that I didn't even pick up that I was like, oh, whoa, yeah, that actually links together. Um, and yeah, um, I'm really stumped as to how else to continue to talk about this. Okay, overall, I preferred the book. I preferred the book for so many different reasons. Number one, I read it at my own pace. And I feel like that is kind of a biased thing in when you're reading a book in general. But reading it in my own pace meant that I can take breaks from the actual narrative and sort of think to myself about what's happening rather than all in one watching it and not having a break or not pausing or whatever. I, I thought it worked better as a book in that way because it did give you time to think and ponder on things. Um, some of the intellectual banter, as I mentioned before, were was better in the book hands down there was some interesting conversations like that like in a philosophical sense were a lot more interesting to read just as philosophical pieces rather than um rather than just listening to two people battle the wits out with each other of pop cultural references um which some of them went over my head because i'm not that well versed in the stuff that they were talking about Maybe soon I will be, but right now, completely went over my head. Um, and the book was, there are so many, like, the whole pages upon pages of um, um, the the repeated question again and again for four pages. Like, just have, reading that in the book was so scary and, like, jarring that it, it made me feel a different type of fear as if I were to... to I, that wouldn't translate well into a film I would say so yeah I was very um I'm very biased towards the book and even though I did read the book second so prop props to the book for doing that you know I have to say 
Um, but that's not to say that I didn't love the Charlie Kaufman film. It was really great and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I would definitely go back and watch it again. I might pick up more things when I go back and watch it again. So I'm excited for that. But that, I guess, wraps up me talking about I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Gosh, it's a very dense book. It's a very interesting book. It's a very interesting film. And I hope you've learned more about it. I hope I explained it in a way that kind of gave you an overview of some of the aspects of the film, some of the aspects of the book. Maybe even inspired you to watch and read the book, even though you got the spoilers. Like, you can still see what I'm talking about when I talk about the dance sequence because it's so difficult to explain and the pig and the going out naked into the snow it's all just a bit weird to explain when you haven't I guess seen it so definitely do give it a watch again it's on Netflix and you can get the book from any bookstore so yeah um that wraps that up and let's move on to the recommend to the back end segment so this week on the recommend to the back end, I have a recommend and I have a mediocre film, you know, mediocre. So first I watched uh, David Fincher's um, Gone Girl. Gosh, have I been missing out on this film. I am so glad I did not see any spoilers of this film, did not search up trailers or synopsis or whatever, because I walked in this film completely blind. All I knew that Ben Affleck was in this film, um, and there was some girl boss behavior in this. And I was like, okay, let's give it a let's give it a shot. Rosamund Pike being a girl boss. And I was like, okay, let's go. Um, and I watched it and oh my god, it was so great. It was it subs it subseded all my expectations, I think that's the right word. Or surpassed all my expectations. Gosh, I I really wish I could watch that film for the first time again. Cause it was essentially the premise is there is a woman who has gone missing um, and the prime suspect is the husband of um, the woman and basically that's all I'm going to say and it's one of those films where you keep trying to want to guess what's going to happen next and you feel so confident about what's happened when suddenly it kind of flips on its head and then when you start to think you understand what's happening again it flips on its head again and again and the cycle keeps repeating until the very end of the film um so if you have not watched Gone Girl definitely definitely give it a watch it is a recommend a hard recommend um and I think it is on Amazon Prime UK Amazon Prime at the moment so if you want to check it out do check it out there um and then my meh you know my kind of like brush to the back end like brush off the shoulder to the back end not like a massive throw just a brush uh would be birds of prey i had so much hope for this film you know harley quinn film birds of prey you know had the makings of being such a very interesting film but then i felt i just felt kind of disappointed for majority of it um a lot of it was like oh this is about to be something um interesting I just felt kind of bored. There were a lot of sequences I did enjoy. The end fight scene was incredible. Um, I won't give too much away into it. But it's essentially about Harley Quinn, um, I guess, veering away from her image uh, attached to the Joker, but also the Joker is also very heavily associated in this narrative because where she's trying to get away from the stigma that she has attached with the Joker it's just drawing more attention because now she's not affiliated with the Joker so people can kill her. Um, so it's just, it's a whole uh, bunch of stuff. 
But as always, you know, charismatic Harley Quinn did steal my heart a little bit, but overall plot and narrative could have been better in my opinion. So those are my two recommend, well, my recommend Anna to the back end, kind of a to the back end. Um, I'm not sure where Birds of Prey is on any um, uh, platforms at the moment, but you can probably rent it from somewhere. Um, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, so I guess that means we are at the end of the episode. Thank you guys so much for listening this week. Um, if you want to keep up to date with all podcast related things, promotions, I'm going to do an Instagram live uh, episode for the one year anniversary of the podcast. So if you're not followed the Instagram account, how will you be able to know that the live is happening? So definitely do follow my Instagram account um, and Twitter as well whilst you're at it, at Deetswadita for both. Um, If you are on Apple Podcasts, um, hello, do give the podcast a subscribe there. And whilst you're there, why don't you leave a nice rating or review? Every nice rating and review will help more people listen listen to and find the podcast. So definitely do that. Um, And if you're on any other podcast listening platform, that's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Podbean? I think that's one too. Um, Do give the podcast a follow there. That way you can stay up to date and notified every time a new episode comes out. Um, And then if you want to know what films I'm watching on a day-to-day basis that I may not mention in a podcast episode, you can follow my letterbox account, underscore Nandy to underscore there. Um, and you can also kind of, like, put together what episodes I'm going to do next, like, if you really tried looking at my Letterboxd account. Um, and, yeah, with that being said, the next episode is going to be Twilight! That's right! I'm finally doing Twilight! And I have never seen any of the Twilight films before. So I am going to be talking with a longtime Twilight fan, uh, Kingsley. He will be joining me and basically explaining to me why he loves Twilight as much as he does and why I think Twilight's very strange after watching it for the first time as an 18 slash 19 year old. So um, definitely stay tuned for that. Um, With that being said, thank you guys so much for listening this week and I will see you all next week. Bye everyone. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.